passage of Scripture that sort of stuck out in my mind that I want us to turn to. And I, I want us to look to Psalm 1. We read Psalm 20 just a minute or two ago. I want to turn to Psalm 1. The very first Psalm. You find that, that place in your Bible. Let me, let me read this Psalm to you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let me ask the Lord for His help. Father, we acknowledge that Your Holy Spirit is the writer of Scripture, the author and the interpreter of Scripture, and we ask that You would grant to our minds and hearts this morning, your enlightenment that we might understand your word and that it might take root in our hearts and lives. Do this for your sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 1. Something else Psalm 1 makes me think of here. I have a $20 bill. Pretty crisp, not as crisp as you might say. It's not fresh off the press. See, it's a little floppy. This $20 bill, you know, you think about these Bills, they could come printed, and you could look at it, and you would think, this is real, this is genuine, right? But you know that there's $20 bills that look sort of like this, but they're not genuine. In fact, so like places like banks, or maybe if you've ever sold a car or something, or something like that, and you've gotten cash for it, you can buy a little marker from the store, and you can mark the bill. And if it shows up in a certain color, you know it's a good bill. And if not, it's, it's, a, it's a false bill. And so there's genuine $20 bills and, and $20 bills that aren't genuine, aren't real. And, and Psalm 1 defines for us, it contrasts for us, what a genuine believer is like in contrast to an unbeliever. And it really kind of gives us three marks, if you will. If you had a $20 bill, and I'm no expert, I'm not a United States, I don't work for the United States Treasury. There's anybody in here who does? Speak up now. I don't want to be corrected here. So nobody works for the United States Treasury, but if you did, you'd probably know all the specific things about this bill that could tell you that it was real. And Psalm 1 opens up for us some aspects of marks of a genuine believer. I already read Psalm 1, but I want you to to look back to your Bible. Look at Psalm 1 in verses 1 to 2. See, Psalm 1 defines people, all people in the world, into two groups. Two groups. You know, in our world, we often think of all different sorts of people, right? We define them uh, based upon where they live, 
right? We, based upon their ethnicity, what they do for a living. But the Bible defines people in two groups. Psalm 1 uses these words, the righteous and the wicked, right? The righteous and the wicked. It, it talks about a man who's blessed, who has that's a supreme, joyful, spiritual condition of those who are right with God, later referred to as, as a righteous individual. But let me correct your thinking here a little bit, just in case you'd be confused. Because you may think, okay, the righteous and the wicked. And you may think, maybe nobody comes to your mind. You don't know any excessively wicked people. And maybe you're thinking, righteous, you know, who qualifies in that camp? And let me help you with just our understanding of Scripture. And you, you probably know this. You've sat under Bible teaching. You understand that when the Bible defines those who are righteous and those who are wicked, those who are righteous are not those who somehow, by their own strength, sort of by their own bootstraps, have gained righteousness before God. Right? There's not like you got perfect attendance in school or you got a, a, an A++ on your report card. And somehow God looks at you and says, Oh, John, look at how well he did. He's righteous. The Bible doesn't define it like that, does it? It defines that those who trust in God, in his son Jesus Christ, who have turned from their life of sin and trust solely in him, the Bible says that those people are counted righteous, are credited righteous. A righteousness. And, and the Bible also tells us that those people who trust in the Lord Jesus are being made righteous. They're, they're growing slowly, perhaps at times, but surely in sanctification. And so that's what this verse is talking about, those individuals. What does it mean for a person? And we might use the word Christian for somebody who trusts in the Lord Jesus. And then that word wicked, right? We might think of terrorism, something that would come to our mind and think of exclusively just a, a hateful, fearful crime. But in the Bible, when it refers to the wicked, it may be that this person, you would look at them and say, oh, they seem like a pretty nice person, but the Bible labels them as wicked because they do not know God. They don't trust in God. They don't trust in His Son, and so ultimately they are wicked. They don't know God. So two categories of people, right? There are those who trust in God and in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are those who don't. And what's the distinguishing marks of these two individuals. Look at, look at verse 1 and 2. It's talking about this man. Blessed is the man. And that man or this individual is the person who trusts in God. Who trusts in the Lord Jesus. And it describes him negatively. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
Walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does that mean? Walk in the counsel of the wicked. You think maybe this is referring to a specific path, like a road. There's a road called counsel of the wicked, and you can't walk in it. That's not what that's talking about. What it's referring to is, and the Bible uses this as a metaphor. When you walk, what does it refer to? It refers to your pattern of life. And then he says, the counsel of the wicked. What does it mean to receive counsel from someone? If you go get counsel, if you maybe you want counsel from a teacher or a parent, you go to them and you ask them for, for, for counsel and they say something to you. They, they instruct you, right? So Psalm 1 tells us that someone who trusts truly and solely in God and in His Son does not listen, does not live their life according to the counsel of the wicked. So it's all about who you listen to, whose word determines the choices of your life. Whose word determines the choices of your life? This individual, the one who is considered blessed, who is one who trusts in God and in his promises, does not live his life according to the counsel of the wicked. That means when he's wrestling with life's decisions or saying, when do I do this or how do I do that? He said, it doesn't go somewhere. It doesn't go to Google and look up and say, what should I do? It doesn't, it doesn't start there. It doesn't start with those people whom he, whom he knows that don't know God and start with them and say, tell me, instruct me how I should live. Because look further there in verse, uh, verse 1. There's a progression that happens. As soon as you start to listen to those voices, to those instructors who are in this world, who are not godly, who do not trust in God, then, then the psalmist tells us that they began to stand in the way of sinners, as if to sort of pause. You know, before you're, you're, you're beginning to listen to these voices, and then you're, you're considering, is this life, is their instruction good for me? And then look at that next, that very final line of verse 1. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean to sit in the seat of a scoffer? Sitting here in Psalm 1 would, would imply as we watch this progression Full participation. Full participation with scoffers. And, and when the Bible uses that word scoffers, these are people who are, are at the very core arrogant and set themselves up against God. And so this progression of beginning to listen to those voices and following down this, pan, this, this, uh, this slope of progression, considering is this life Better Is it better to listen to these people who do not know God? To take in their instruction. And finally, 
if you do that, you will find yourself sitting in the seat of scoffers, fully participating in their rebellion against God. Psalm 1 tells us that the person who trusts in God doesn't listen to those voices. But there's something that he or she will do in verse 2. If they don't listen to those voices of the world, they listen to other instruction. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Delight. Do you all have delights? What does it mean to to delight in something? It means to love it, right? You have, I'm sure, I remember being in, in high school, you have certain things that you love. Perhaps you're an athlete and you love to run or you love to play basketball or maybe you love math. I don't love math. I never have. I kind of love grammar. Maybe some of you love grammar or, or science or, or something that really defines and dominates your life. And that's exactly what Psalm 1 verse 2 is talking about. For this individual, his Dominating delight is in the law of the Lord. His dominating delight. The thing that he loves, the thing that his affections are drawn to, are the law. The law of the Lord. Let me help you out with this word. When you think of law, what do you think of? Somebody tell me. Raise your hand. What do you think of when you think of law? Don't all raise your hand at once now. What do you think of when you think of law? Ten commandments. Okay, the Ten Commandments. That's good. That's a good biblical answer, the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and you're right. The, the Ten Commandments are referred to, we think of the Mosaic Law, the law that was given by Moses, and there's a lot more to it than just the Ten Commandments. In... Today's world, when I think of law, I think of police officers, law enforcement, speed limits. Those are laws, right? But the word law, the word that our English translators translated law, is a word, is a noun that comes from a verb which means to instruct. And so we tend to think of laws sometimes as negative things, don't we? We think speed limits means that I can't go faster than 60 miles an hour when I'm headed to Nebraska Christian School. Or you know, something that you can't do like it's maybe holding you back from really enjoying life, but that's not the picture of the law in the Scripture, is it? Law is the instruction of God. That God is instructing He is teaching. And this individual is is caught up in love for this instruction. And look at that very final part of verse 2. 
He's so caught up that he meditates on it day and night. He just thinks about it. It consumes his mind. It dominates his life. That's the mark of someone who knows and trusts in God. It dominates his life. The instruction of God. Let let me just remind you that the instruction of God for you and for me is found in this book, right? The book that you have in your lap, the Bible. The full revelation of God to man. We have it in one book. This, when the psalmist wrote this, he didn't have the entirety of God's revelation at that time. He had only a part because he was further on this other side of, of God's revelation, revelating process. So this individual delights. He is dominated by a love for the Word of God, for the Bible. And look at how is he described in verses 3 to 4. Do you guys like pictures? Raise your hand if you like pictures. No, oh, not very many people. Well, I figured this generation loves pictures, right? That's why we have iPhones and screen projectors. You know, things because sometimes we say, well, we're so used to TV. We want to see stuff. We want to see what it looks like. Psalm 1, verses 3 and 4 gives us a picture. Everybody look down at your Bible. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Can you see that? Can you see that picture in your, in your mind? The Bible wants us to see it. He wants us to see the contrast The person who trusts in God, what is he described as? He's described as a tree. As a tree that is transplanted by streams of water, by a a, literally a canal of water. So in ancient Israel, in in a desert climate, streams often only float at certain times of the year. But this tree is planted by a canal, meaning there is a constant water source. And so there's life going to this tree. It's constantly nourished, constantly enriched. And it describes this tree as having leaves and, and giving its fruit in its season. In all that he does, he prospers. This is a productive, fruitful, stable tree. Nebraska doesn't have a lot of trees, does it? Out on the prairie or in the fields, does it? You know, if you go to some parts of the country, there are a lot more trees. Nebraska has got a lot of grass and fields. But where you do find trees is along a water source, right? And those trees grow and they're productive and they're fruitful. And they're contrasted. The life of the wicked is contrasted by and described as chaff chaff that the wind drives away. How many of you have ever watched come fall, probably around here, you'll see these combines going through the fields. How many of you have seen that? Everybody should be raising their hand, I think. Okay, good. You see those, so those combines go and they pick up all that, 
whether it be the corn or the beans, and in the combine, it's separating the, the fruit, or it be the kernels of the corn or the bean, and it's separating that from the chaff, all that other stuff. And when you, when you see those combines and all that mechanical stuff, and there's a little section in the back that's just spewing out little fluffy dust stuff. And if you spend a lot of time there on the farm, you, especially if beans, you get all this <coughs> dust and nasty stuff in your throat because that's the chaff. It's just shh, blowing away. Useless. Useless. It doesn't have any substance to it. That's the contrast to the person who trusts in God, whose affectionate love and delight is in the Word of God. That's the contrast. So the life, if you claim or you profess to know God, to know His Son, Jesus Christ, then there ought to be two things that we've seen so far. A dominating delight. A dominating delight in His Word. An affection for His instruction. And that love and that delight makes itself evident in a life of stability and fruitfulness. And what that verse doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that you will have everything you want, but it it depicts more the inner state of man, the inner state, the the stability that comes from knowing and relying upon the promises of God. And it ends, Psalm 1 ends, with this final distinguishing mark, which you and I can't perceive right now. We only perceive that by what we've already read. And verses 5 and 6 say this, Because the wicked are like the chaff, remember the chaff? It's that light fluffy stuff that just blows in the wind. Because the wicked, the person who does not know God, who does not trust in His Son, they will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's a final contrast here. The wicked, those, perhaps some even in this room, who do not truly trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not truly turned from their life of sin and embraced and solely trust in Him, then your heart and your mind will be drawn to the counsel of the wicked. That will be your dominating delight. That will be the the instruction by which you live your life. And external Features like that of a a Christian school, which are good. But one day when you leave, you will find that those outward directives won't be there. And so you'll be drawn toward that path. And your life will ultimately be characterized by that description of the chaff. Of, of that light, fluffy stuff that just blows away in the wind. And the Bible says that those people will not endure God's judgment. They will not be able to stand up in that final day. 
They will be judged for their sin. But God promises and assures us that those who truly trust in Him and in His Son, who are characterized by that dominating delight where the instruction of God, where the Bible guides your life, where it guides my life, where my answers for all of life to interpret it comes from the Word of God, a biblical worldview, that those individuals will be characterized by a fruitful stability in life. And on that day, they will find preservation. This word is when it talks about the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's contracted there, contrasted with the way of the wicked. The way of the wicked perish. The Lord knows so as to persevere. There's another place in the Old Testament in one of the, the prophets where it says that the Lord knows those who take refuge in Him. And He is a stronghold to them. He preserves them. And that day will come for all of us where the fruit of our life will be seen where the marks, if you will, as like that $20 bill will be examined and we'll see if that which, is, that which is truly genuine, those who truly will be preserved. So, friend, guys and gals, be those who don't follow the counsel of the wicked. Turn from that temptation and that yielding to sin and trust in the Lord Jesus in His payment upon the cross and find your delight that guides and dominates your life in the Word of God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for these dear students, knowing, Lord, that you have brought each one of these uh, to this school in, in your uh, perfect plan, and I, I do pray for them. I rejoice that they are here, but I pray earnestly for their own souls, and their own lives. That they would be those who would not just follow along in the directives and instructives that are, are here just because of the school system, but they would be truly changed internally, truly trusting in You, truly finding their delight in Your Word. And may they find to be preserved on that final day to be with you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.